Appreciate you stopping by, giving a listen, hanging out with us here. Um, as I've mentioned, we're live here from vacation at the Outer Banks, and um, we're chilling, we're hanging out, and um, we are covering. We're doing the second half of the list that ESPN released of the all-time starting five for the Eastern Conference. So last week. We covered, let's see if I can remember this, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Nets, the Pacers, the Pistons, the uh, Cavaliers, and, oh gosh, who's the last team? Clearly not that memorable. I don't even remember. Yikes. Yikes. Another team. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, here we are. We're going to go through the second half. It was the Heat. That's what it was. It was the Heat. Yikes. They're pretty good. Anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah. So like I said, we have a special guest here. So John, my brother-in-law, who has been on this podcast before, pretty much a year ago, um, no, two years ago, I think, we talked about college athletes getting paid. Um, and so he's back, and we're going to talk more basketball here. Um, so quick update here, I guess, to follow up. What are your thoughts on the most recent uh, NCAA rulings? I guess it was a ruling that they can make basically like money off of their name and likeness and image. Oh, hey, Justin. <laughs> Um, I, I don't mind that. I think I've always had that opinion. Um, if they're in a video game or their jerseys being sold with their name on it, that's fine. Um, I do have an issue, I guess, with athletes getting paid. If, uh, the university can just promote like a number seven Jersey, that, that Jersey, especially in basketball could be turned over every year. Sure. Um, in football it could be every two or three years. If you're in these top programs, you might get a quarterback rolling in. And only playing a year or two, so to say that was his jersey is kind of hard. So I don't mind if it's like an NCAA football game by EA Sports coming out. And yeah, they get some kind of royalty from that. I have no problem with it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we basically mentioned that specifically last time of saying like they shouldn't just get like a set amount of money that they get, like a salary or a contract, but like it, this is it's their name. Yeah, it's who exactly. they are. They yeah. should be able to make money off of that. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's not waste any more time, and let's hop right into this here. Um, so again, I'll give the same context I did last time to try to help explain this. So what happened is ESPN basically looked at each franchise in the NBA, i.e. the Boston Celtics, and they said, basically, who is the best starting five that we can combine of every player who's ever played for the Celtics to make the best starting five for them? 
And so, you know, they came up with, um, let's see if I can remember. It was Bob Cousy, um, Paul Pierce, Larry Bird, uh, John Havlicek, and Bill Russell. So they were like, that's basically the best starting five you can get for the Celtics all time. And so we're looking at those teams. Um, they're chosen specifically for the time that you played for that team. So, for instance, you know, I gave this example last week as well. When we look at uh, Michael Jordan, for instance, when we're looking at the Bulls, we're only looking at his tenure on the Bulls. And if, you know, he could technically make the Wizards team as well because he played two years with them. Um, but so you're only looking at their stats, the championships, awards, all that stuff, just from the time they spent on that team that they're chosen for. Um and I think that's basically the only context. The only other thing is I'll say is, so we go over basic statistics of points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game. And then we go over this one advanced statistic, which is called BPM, which stands for box plus minus. So I'll give this definition again that I gave last time, which is <clears throat> this is a box score based measurement that estimates a player's performance relative to the league average, you know, so just measuring them up to the average NBA player. And it's expressed on a per 100 possessions basis. Uh, so what that means is if a player has a BPM of five, that means that they are five points better than the average player over 100 possessions. So um, anything above eight is considered very good. And anything in double digits is unquestionable, like, wow, you're incredible. Um, and the highest ever BPM for a season was Russell Westbrook in 2017 at 15.6. Again, that was his MVP year when he averaged a triple-double. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, we're going to hop right into this. Again, the order is just alphabetical. That's just how ESPN had it listed. So this is not like in, you know, favorites or anything like that. Um, so let's get started. So we're going to start off here. Oopsies. We're going to start off here with the Milwaukee Bucks. And this, um, I'm going to come right out of the gates here and say that this is my sleeper pick uh, for the Eastern Conference. So starting off, we have Oscar Robertson at, at guard one. Um, again, I, I should mention that too. They didn't choose specifically point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, because they said today's NBA is positionless, so we're going to make this list positionless. So they definitely – more this half of the list than last half kind of explore that more of some three guard lineups, some three forward lineups. Um, so yeah, so at guard one, we have Oscar Robertson who spent four seasons with the Bucks. Those was his last four years in the NBA where he averaged 16 points, eight assists, five rebounds per game. Um, no BPM. Cause that was before they started tracking that. Uh, he was a two time, two time all-star one time, all NBA and one-time champion, um, and that was, ooh, 69 or 70 um, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So for me, I thought this was a relatively easy pick at point guard. I think most of the picks for the Bucks were pretty no-nonsense. Um, but yeah, Oscar Robertson at point guard, I think, made a lot of sense to me because he led led them to a championship. Uh, it was the last four years of his career, so his productivity went down significantly from the rest of his career where he was mostly averaging close to a triple-double. Um, 
There's no audio? All right. Good to know. Good to know. Um, all right. Apologies, audio listeners. We didn't have audio uh, for the video side of it, but we appear to be back up and running, so we're good. So anyway, so as I was saying, Oscar Robertson, point guard. I'm trying to think right now of other options they could have gone with at point guard because I feel like the Bucks haven't had a great run of point guards. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm with you um, with Oscar Robertson there. I know it was towards the end of his career that he was with the Bucks, and the numbers were obviously down, but um, to have a 66-win season and bring them a title, um, it's kind of hard to speak against. I don't. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else either. I, like literally, I'm I'm sitting here trying to think of other Bucks point guards, and if you go prior to the past five years, I can think of Luke Ridnour. And like one season of Gary Payton, I like can't even think of yeah. other Bucks point guards that they've had. Would you consider Jason Terry a point guard? I don't think so. I mean, I know they technically are saying they're doing it positionless. Yeah. So if they're tra- if they're just, I would maybe do like you could do like Sidney Moncrief guard one, Ray Allen guard to Michael Red. I was thinking Michael Red. He's uh, the only one who I guard, think but, was yeah. kind of snubbed from this team. Um but it, it was understandable again because you just you can't really go against Oscar Robertson. Um Yeah, Red is definitely a name that comes to mind just with how old we are, but <laughs> I'm not too familiar with Moncrief, but looking at his stats, they look pretty solid over 10 seasons with Milwaukee, so yeah. I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, and that's a great transition to guard two, who is Sidney Moncrief. Um, like you said, 10 seasons with the Bucks, 17 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, uh, 3.9 BPM average. His highest was 5.4. He was a 5-time All-Star, 5-time All-NBA, 5-time All-Defensive, and 2-time Defensive Player of the Year. So he's definitely your defensive stopper here on this team, and it's not like you're lacking in defense on this team either. But... Moncrief was definitely known in his time. He played in the 80s. Um, He was definitely one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA while he was playing. Um, A good scorer, too. You know, a good all-around player. I kind of... He almost is is like a Kawhi Leonard, but never got, like, that offensive development to the level that Kawhi has now. But, like, he, like, came into the league... As just like he's like your defender who can just like guard like almost anyone, um, and then developed an offensive game which helped him. But I mean, two-time Defensive Player of the Year as a shooting guard is pretty unheard of, I think. You know, because it's typically going to like people down low or you know Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the Defensive Player of the Year speaks for itself, but also like a five-time All Defense in the 80s when they actually played defense, I think. Right. Says a lot, too, and to be able to contribute on the other end. Um, seems like a pretty good all-around player. And considering the people he had to guard, too, in the 80s, yeah. just totally speaks to that. So, yeah. again, no real complaints here. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, again, I think the only person you could sub in here would be Michael Red, but I have a hard time picking who he would go in over. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so guard three, 
is Ray Allen. Um, seven seasons with the Bucks, twenty points a game, four assists, five rebounds, two point eight BPM average, five point five was his highest season. Three-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, one-time All-NBA, and two-time three-point leader in the league. Um, I think this one kind of speaks for itself. We all know Ray Allen. We know the kind of player that he was. I think some people may not know. I think a lot of people, he kind of came more into the casual eyes when he joined up with Boston um, because that's when he won his title. Um, And, you know, at that point, he was known as the guy who was about to pass Reggie Miller for the most threes of all time. And that that was towards the end of his career, you know, that was like his his thirties. Um, and he was more of a role player. It's just like the guy who is going to get you a three whenever you need it. Um, but back when he was in Milwaukee and in Seattle, he was just a great all around player who could pass the ball. Well, he would drive a lot to the rim. Uh, he was actually in a dunk contest. Yeah. He had um, some pop for sure. Yeah. He was, he was just a good all around offensive player. Um, and then kind of just developed, really well into a role player who was kind of just there to get you threes. Um, so again, makes sense. Um, I think so far with this lineup, you have really good cohesion and chemistry because you have, you know, Oscar Robertson, who's just getting everyone involved and can take the load himself when he needs to. And again, he's towards the end of his career. So he's definitely going to be getting more people involved. Um, and he's not really going to need that offensive burden, um, Moncrief, you don't have to worry about an offense. He's just kind of there for defense. And then Ray Allen is there to kind of just be a good all-around scorer when you need. He can create for himself. But obviously, as we know, he's great at, you know, uh, you know, coming off the pick, doing, you know, uh, catch and shoot, all that kind of stuff. So, again, no complaints here from this one. Um, moving over to f- forward one, the only forward that they have, uh, pretty no – Pretty big no-brainer here. It's Giannis. Um, he has so far spent seven seasons, including this year, with the Bucks. Uh, Twenty points a game, four assists, nine rebounds, four point nine BPM average, and his highest was this year. It's currently eleven point five, and I think last year he finished at ten point nine. So very, very high. Um, four-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defensive, one-time Most Improved Player, and obviously last year's MVP. Again, no-brainer here. He made the most sense. He's arguably already the best Bucks player of all time. I think some people would definitely make that argument. I wouldn't quite do it yet. I think he needs to get them to a finals um, or just continue to play at the level he is for a little while longer. Um, but, you know... He's the most exciting Bucks player in a very, very long time. Um, great all-around player. I mean, what more can really be said about him that we don't already know? You know, because he's currently playing, which helps. So, people who watch the NBA know who he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think I don't really even know what position he like naturally plays because I feel like he spent the first couple of years starting at small forward. And yeah. I think he's been starting at like power forward slash forward two the past couple of years, but I mean I I don't know I think he fits well here. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of interesting. You would never think when he was drafted and came into the league that he would even be on one of these lists. Mm. 
but um, he's just a player who like has tremendous work ethic, has put the time in, totally both on the court and in the gym. You can see that in his size. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting seeing his growth and who knows where he'll go. I mean, at this right. point, like all star teams, all NBA, all defensive. You know, um, an MVP could have won Defensive Player of the Year last year as well. Right. Yeah, he was in so, the running. I mean. The sky's the limit for this guy. Um, he's got all the, the physical attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think when it's all said and done, he'll easily be the best Bucks player. But hard to say right now because, like you said, that championship is eluding him. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mark says, UConn guards always seem to be well-rounded. Yeah, that's fair. UConn... I feel like Calhoun does a good job. Yeah. Yeah. They got a great coaching system on both basketball teams there. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of other guards that have come there. Like Kemba Walker came from there. Um, Rip, Rip Hamilton, I think was UConn. Paul Pierce was, no, he was Kansas. Um, but Ray Allen was UConn. I'm trying to think even like, like Jeremy Lamb, like he didn't have like a, exciting NBA career but he was a good well-rounded yeah. player I mean was he, was he a one and done I think he was either one or two yeah because I think he was on that team with Drummond right could have been like in like 2014 or something yeah something like but that. anyways yeah that's a great yeah, point I mean, I mean UConn has the big men too yeah <laughs> yeah they produce a lot of good great college players yeah maybe not have translated well but <laughs> they've been unlucky in that sense but yeah, yeah. um yeah, and then finally at center for the Bucks, it's fairly obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, who spent the first six seasons of his career with the Bucks, uh, thirty points a game, four assists, fifteen rebounds, seven point six BPM average. That was also his highest because they only just started tracking BPM by the time he left. Um, six-time All Star, so he was an All Star every single year. Um, Rookie of the Year, three-time MVP. Four-time All-Defensive, five-time All-NBA, four-time field goals made leader in the uh, in the league, three-time scoring champion, one-time blocks champion, and a one-time NBA champion. So quite the resume there for the first six years of your career. Um, yeah, can you ask more of somebody who just came into the league? I know. <laughs> I mean, and he had the, I feel like, the pressure and weight of the world on his shoulders coming out of UCLA winning like two or three, I think straight championships. Cause they went right from Bill Walton yeah. to Kareem yeah, or it was the other way, success. I think. Um, so, you know, he was, he's arguably the best college basketball player of all time. And then went right into the NBA and just continued with that hot streak and went right up with it. And is now considered one of the greatest NBA players of all time. I mean, obviously, he went on to be a six-time MVP, uh, five-time champion, or six-time champion. Um, you know, the most points scored of all time in the NBA. Um, I think he's taught number two or three in rebounds of all time. I mean, it's just, you know, the list goes on. But his career in Milwaukee was nothing short of spectacular. He could have retired <laughs> at, like, you know, 26 and been still a Hall of Famer. Um, but he obviously then went on to the Lakers to continue that wild ride of success. So, again, really no complaints here. Nope. You can't really go any other way. Um, 
So on a whole, I feel like this team really fits together well. Um, I think when you look at everybody, especially where they're at in their careers when they're playing for Milwaukee, like I was saying, you have Oscar Robertson, who's kind of initiating the offense um, and is one of the best to ever do that. And the thing there, too, is you don't have any other players on this team who, like, need the ball in their hands to, like, create for themselves, um, which is a lot of times the issue that you run into with these other teams. Um, but, you know, like I said, you have Moncrief, who's just mostly there for defense um, and can bail you out on offense. Ray Allen is just there to kind of, you know, be a great offensive, you know, scoring option, but he, he doesn't create for himself. Giannis um, does a great job if you, you know, just to switch it up every once in a while, have him bring it down the floor and, you know, run the plays. Um, but he stretches the floor a lot too and just gives Kareem a lot of space down below to get that sky hook working well for him. Um, and then on the defensive side, you have, you know, Kareem and Sydney, who are two of the better defenders in the NBA history. And then you have Giannis, who is one of the best defenders in the NBA right now. And Oscar Robertson, who is one of the best well-rounded players of all time in the NBA. Um, so it's just you got everything you need on both ends of the court. I think the only issue you may run into is just with Giannis and Kareem kind of both being down low, make it a little clogged in the lane on offense but go a little high low there yeah which i think you could make work too especially with Giannis and how he's he's a better shooter now yeah he's adapting his game a lot so like i said i think he could help spread the floor and you just let kareem run the post um he's got that sky hook yeah (laughs) that's leaving that yeah yeah so i think you can't go wrong um you can't go wrong there so all in all, like I said, I think they're a sleeper pick. I think they're. I think anyone who's reading through these lists is going to see the Bucks and be like, "Oh, pff, Bucks!" Like now, nah. yeah. but we were talking the other week when these came out, and I at that time was saying like, I think I might go with Milwaukee because they're one of the most well-rounded teams on this list, where you're not going to run into ego issues or too many people needing the ball in their hands. You got great basketball on offense and defense yeah i think balance is key for this team yeah um you can see the ball easily moving with oscar but you look across the board everyone's averaging at least four assists per game that's great yeah (laughs) that's really good i think it's everyone on that team is looking to get their teammates involved and like is never gonna try to play hero ball or you know yeah get their let their ego get in the way so overall i think a great team there um so that's the bucks let's see cool moving on uh to those new york knickerbockers let's skip over these guys we probably could um <laughs> but we'll do it anyway so some of these people deserve the respect <laughs> Um, so starting at guard one is Walt Frazier, uh, 10 seasons with the Knicks, 19 points a game, six assists, six rebounds, 2.7 BPM average, 3.8 was his highest, seven time all-star, two time champion, six time all NBA and seven time all defensive. Um, 
again, I don't know if you really could go with anyone else other than Walt here. Um, I think he is one of those defining players in New York Knicks history um, who everyone knows. Um, and he was one of the best point guards at the time, um, helped them to two championships, and was one of uh, – he was a part of – one of the only teams no no was that a different team yeah sorry that was a different team never mind but anyways they won in i think it was 1970 1973 so that's right in the midst of the Celtics domination coming out of Russell going into Havlicek and then you know moving into Larry Bird but that's like right in the middle of the Havlicek era um and also the time of Will Chamberlain as well. Um, but yeah, so Walt Frazier, I think, was key to the Knicks winning those two championships. Um, I think Willis Reed on uh, oftentimes gets most of the credit for those titles. But I think Clyde deserves a lot of uh, admiration and appreciation for what he did for those teams. Um, he was a great leader, great point guard, good all-around player. Um, so I have no complaints here. I think it makes sense for this pick. Um, again, not many other Knicks point guards I can think of that would really be deserving of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, when you think of Frazier, Clyde, um, you're thinking defense, you're thinking floor general guiding the team as the point guard, and that's like when a point guard was like a point guard, you know? Totally. And, like, he, he ran that team, led them to the two championships, and, I mean – He's on MSG now with all those <laughs> phrases and everything. Drives me crazy. You either love him or you hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, his his play spoke for itself on totally. the court. Um, and then off the court, he's got that style, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, just a legendary Nick through yeah. and through. Yeah. No um, issues there. Yeah. Guard two, Earl Monroe, Earl the Pearl. Uh, nine seasons with the Knicks. 16 points, four assists, three rebounds. Uh, 0.8 BPM average, 1.7 was his highest season. He was a two-time All-Star and was a part of one of those championship teams uh, with Clyde. Um, this one I was fine with. Um, it made sense. You know, he was, again, part of one of those championship teams, and he was a pretty key player for the Knicks, especially just, like, in the Knicks' history and the lore of the Knicks um, played most of his career with them. So it makes sense. I could have, I would have been fine with, you know, maybe putting like Allen Houston in there. I like Allen Houston. Cause I, I think he was a really good scorer. I think he's so underappreciated and undervalued as a Nick and just as a basketball player in general. Um, I, I think Nick's diehards would, Either, I think it's split, either 50% would say you got to put John Starks there and the other 50 would say get him as far away from my team as possible. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, I'm kind of in the middle. I, well, I should say I don't think he should be on the team, but I don't have that you know, hatred for him just because I wasn't around when he choked for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I would have preferred Allen Houston, I think, in this spot. Um 
it's it's hard when you haven't seen these people play. So like you know, I, I never watched Earl Monroe play, yeah. so I can't necessarily speak to his game. But I watched Allen Houston play, and I just remember how smooth he was on yeah. offense. He just had a great jumper, mm-hmm. um, and he just he was I think a bright spot in the Knicks, like basically coming out of the Ewing era, and just like kind of gave them hope, like in like the '90s going into the 2000s. <laughs> Yeah, what was that? Ninety nine against the Spurs. Yeah, they went to the finals. Yeah, um, that was his team. Yeah, because that was the last year I think the, that Patrick was on the mm-hmm. on the Knicks. It's a decent team. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, you can go either way with it. Like I said, I'm fine with the Earl Monroe pick. Yeah, it makes sense. I think at that point you're kind of just playing favorites. Yeah, it's not a huge omission. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. At forward one, <laughs> it's Carmelo Anthony, obviously. Um, seven seasons with the Knicks, 25 points, three assists, seven rebounds, 3.3 BPM, uh, 5.0 was his highest, seven-time All-Star, one-time scoring champ, and two-time All-NBA. Now, you can say what you will about Carmelo just as a basketball player in general. But I I don't know who else you could put in at small forward for them. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you know my thoughts on Carme- Carmelo as like right. a basketball player. He's an extreme talent. Sure. Best one of the best scorers in the league mm-hmm. in his prime. He's just not a winner, but that's not what this list is about. So Correct. I think he should be included. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's what it comes down to is like, as a fan, you can hate on him as much as you want because all he did was score, never yeah. did anything with him in the playoffs, and just like, you know, a lot of people say it was just like a, a bust of a trade for them. Um, and then obviously he, he, the way he left the Knicks was controversial in some people's eyes, but at the end of the day, he knew what he could do and he did it very well. For sure. Yeah. He contributed a lot on the offensive end. I think where my frustration grew was he didn't have that killer mentality of Kobe and MJ. Correct. Even the work ethic of LeBron or, like, we were just talking about Giannis. Yeah. Like, I think if he had that, he could have worked on his defense. Totally. But he was just perfectly fine the way he was. And he just kind of showed up. Fine. Like, yeah. You make your money, and that's some guy's M.O. You know? Oh, and he is the king of securing the bag <laughs> yeah. and getting those contracts. Um, some of those Knicks contracts that he was signing were unbelievable. Um but yeah, I mean, I, you know, like you're saying, that you really can't argue against him being on this list, especially considering everyone else who's on the team. Because this is because that's the thing is when he was on the Knicks, we you were needing him to be that leader and to be the person who takes the team on his back, puts the extra effort in, and is able to pull them along with them, him, you know, into the playoffs to the finals. But he wasn't. He never stepped up to that. He just yeah. couldn't do that. But with a team like this, you don't need him to do that where I think you might be able to then see him flourish a little more. Um, because, you know, when you look at him when he was on the Nuggets and, you know, he either was 
like when he was playing with like Allen Iverson for those couple of years, when they were making it like to the Western Conference Finals and like playing against Kobe and the Lakers. I mean, obviously they never made it out of there, but they were playoff consistent. They were constantly making yeah. deep runs in the playoffs. Um, and I think part of that is just, you know, he was a younger player. He was hungrier. He, you know, was put in more effort. And he, he had a better surrounding supporting cast, which I think is right. key. I think he's just one of those players where he was he was too good for a team to be able to be built around him, but he wasn't good enough to, like, take that team right. with him. Um, but luckily in this situation, he has a great supporting exactly. cast. Yeah. So um, I think he fits he fits in well with this team. And again, no complaints from me. Yeah. Um, all right, moving forward to forward two, which is Willis Reed, who spent uh, all 10 of his seasons with the Knicks, 19 points a game, two assists, 13 rebounds, seven-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion, five-time All-NBA, one-time all Defensive, he was a rookie of the year, and he won the MVP. Um, Willis Reed, probably the second, like, most favorite Nick of all time behind Patrick Ewing, I'd probably say. Um, fan favorite. Uh, just, and I think, you know, one of the most memorable moments in Nick's history of him limping out for that Game 7 performance after he hurt his leg. Um, yeah, I mean, winning... Definitely helps in sure. people's minds. Totally. Like delivering that championship and the game seven, I guess, gutsy performance of him. Oh, absolutely. Off. Yeah. Not to take anything away from him. I mean, he, he was killer yeah. on that team. He yeah. was crucial for them. Like I said, I mean, the pairing of him and Walt Frazier was like a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, because another great defender and, you know, having him defend the paint, but he was also really gifted on the offensive side, too. Um, and like you said, you know, given those gutsy performances, you know, he carried that team and he helped them a lot and he brought them two championships. So I have no complaints here. I think the only issue I have is just putting him as a forward and pairing him who with, with the next player, Patrick Ewing, yeah. is very clogged and crowded because yes. he never pl- – he, he was a center. Like he never played power forward. He right. was a center's whole career. So having him start as a forward – you know, even just as a second center, you're going to run into some issues there. For sure. Um, so I guess then just to move right along, obviously the center is Patrick Ewing. Uh, spent 15 seasons with the Knicks, 23 points, two assists, 10 rebounds, 3.3 BPM average, 5.5 was his highest, um, 11-time All-Star, 7-time All-NBA, 3-time All-Defensive, and one Rookie of the Year. Um I I I always look at Patrick as one of the players like that I feel like the most bad for it like because I feel like he tried so hard and he carried that team on his back for so long but just always had to deal with either the Pistons or the Bulls or you Indiana know was tough at the yeah the, the Pacers yeah. um it was rough I mean I think. You know, he left a little bit to be desired as, like, a leader of a team. But just as an all-around player, he was so good. (laughs) You know, I mean, defensively, offensively, um, putting, giving 110%, sneaking up for his teammates, you know, he cared so much about, he was so passionate. Um, 
No, no complaints here. No, as well. Obviously, you, you can't question it. Yeah, I mean, it, coming out of Georgetown, you knew he was going to be great, and I think he lived up to that. He didn't deliver that championship, but he brought a lot of excitement to Knicks basketball for a long time, fifteen seasons. Like, and he, he did bring them to a finals, um, yeah. which obviously is not the same as a championship. But I feel like as a fan, it's a it's a good consolation prize for the career that he had of like, you know, looking at someone like, um, you know, like a, a Vince Carter or a Tracy McGrady or a Chris Paul, who was never <clears throat> able to like lead their team into the finals, like was never good enough to get them right. over that last hump. But Patrick did do it. Um, I mean, like I said, just I feel so bad for him. He was just always going against the toughest competition. Like we mentioned earlier, obviously took them to the finals, but then lost to the Spurs, which that was just an excellent team. Like they had no yeah. chance against them. Like where you have David Robinson towards the end of his career, but still in his prime. Right. And you have a Tim Duncan who is just like, yeah. I am taking over the NBA now. Right. So. But then even was it 95? Or 94, when they played Houston. Oh, that's true, yeah. I totally forgot about that, because it was them and then the Magic. Yeah, that's when we don't want to bring up Starks, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to go through... I mean, Jordan wasn't there then, but you got to go through Shaq in the Eastern Conference in Indiana, and then you got to go up against Keem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, good luck. That's tough. I mean, they they filled that Jordan-less void yeah. there. Yeah, so. and it was... Even if they made it out of the East, it was either going to be... Um, you know, Hakeem and the Rockets, or it's going to be Charles Barkley and the Suns, yeah. or I'm trying to think of, you know, uh, David Robinson and the Spurs. It was just like the NBA was so good then. Yeah, that was the time of the big men, and I think Ewing stood his ground. Absolutely. In the biggest city. Totally. Like, it, New York is obviously a tough place to play, but I think he did well to... He carried that weight. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's what, like, I just, as a fan, I mean, I'm not a diehard Knicks fan like other people, but, like, I just have the mentality of, like, I couldn't have asked for more from him. Like, he literally did everything he could. I felt like he left everything on the floor and, you know, he just yeah, didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, him not getting a ring, I think, is more on his supporting cast than his performance on the court. Totally. I mean, you think you, he like he had Starks who massively choked for him. Yeah, very and, inconsistent player. I mean, in that last finals, he had Allen Houston. I think was Sprewell on that team, but I mean, he was in the midst of going crazy towards the end of his career. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's just what they just were missing, like that whatever it was that last piece that would have yeah. put them over the hump, but. Yep. Anyways, so overall, as a team, surprisingly good, I think. Because when you, th- when you think of the Knicks, especially right now, you're just like, ow, laughing stock. They're a joke. They're terrible. Move on. But when you look at this team, and again, it comes down to chemistry for me for all of these teams. And I think, I don't think they have quite as much cohesion as like the Bucks do. Like I said, just with Willis Reed and Patrick Ewing being down low. And they have very similar like play styles in games where it's like you can't really kind of expand the floor or do like a high low or uh, you know 
I just don't see not necessarily like the egos are going to get in the way, right? But I just don't think their play styles mesh. No, not at all. Um, so that's going to be unfortunate for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always going to help when you can have a a player like Walt have the ball in his hands every single time to direct traffic. But when it comes down to it, there's just not enough space on the floor for these guys. Totally. Um, which is unfortunate for them. But again, this is just all a fantasy land <laughs> where we're just having fun. Um, so overall, I think this team does well. And the interesting thing too, I should mention last week, last week was definitely with those teams, not as great as this week's because you had teams like the Hornets and the Nets who their top, their starting fives were like fine. So we kind of started playing this game. It started with the Hornets. I think of could this team just win a finals? Hmm. Cause it was like, when you look at the Hornets, I was like, I don't think they can. Because it was like yeah. they had like Kemba Walker, Del Curry, Larry Johnson. Yeah. You know, it was just like, eh, you know, Alonzo Mourning at the beginning of his career is like, I don't know if they can like win a title like in today's NBA. Sure. Yeah. But like so far, like the Bucks, I think absolutely can. For sure. Um, I think this Knicks team could definitely make it to the finals. Yeah. Um, because you have three players who played together and made it and won a championship. And I mean, they won two. Earl Monroe was only there for one. Um, and again, I think when you have Melo just fitting even more into that role of like, hey, we're just relying on you for offense here. Just score <laughs> for us. Right. Where he doesn't have to take on that burden of leading the team. And, you know, obviously he's always going to be a liability on defense. But when you're going to the brick wall of Rillis Reed and Patrick Ewing, right. you can fall back on that a little bit. But. Yeah. Overall, I think a pretty decent team. Yeah, not too bad. Could do better, could do worse. All right, next up is a fun one. Uh, the Orlando Magic. This is one of those ones where it's just like, this was just fun to look at and think like, man, this could be an exciting team to watch. Like, yep. just fun. Yeah. Um, so starting off at guard, we got Penny Hardaway. Uh, six seasons with the Magic. 19 points, six assists, five rebounds. 4.3 BPM average, 7.2 was his highest. Uh, four-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA. And I don't want to, like, overbuild or overhype this or anything, but I know that growing up, you were a, a very big Penny Hardaway fan, so I kind of wanted to let you take the lead on this one. And Yeah. Because there's, there's joy and there's heartbreak in I him. know, yeah. Penny was the guy i mean like he was just a likable dude he had the little penny commercials and um it's almost like for me one of the biggest what ifs in the in oh for NBA sure history between like him and grant hill like yeah. even just looking I, at them like and both of them being on the magic too yeah exactly um it's it's a shame like yeah he was the first jersey i ever got and i'm obviously i still have it i'm gonna pass down to the boys but um yeah, I, he was so fun. Yeah. And exciting to watch, especially paired with a young Shaq who could get up and down the court. Oh yeah. Um and just like I mean they went to a finals. He was like <laughs> yeah, I think he was six seven or something like that. Yes. Um, probably one of those stories where he just like exploded height wise in high school or college. Yeah. Um, just kept those guards. And, and he was just a ball handler his whole life. Yeah. Um 
but yeah, he was he was so fun, and I'm glad he's continuing his career coaching now because he has a lot to give. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I was just so young then, um, but he was fun to watch. I wasn't a huge Bulls fan, so mm. to be able to watch him and it was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, his numbers were incredible. Like I said, what if? Um, it's interesting to see where he could have gone. Could they have? Yeah. Um, won a title. Um, would Shaq stay? I don't. I don't. I yeah. Don't, who knows? You know. It is interesting to think. Um, you know, I I, I kind of I feel like he was also a big part in kind of revolutionizing the point guard position a little bit just in the sense that like he kind of like I feel like he almost like made it cool again because <laughs> was like you had someone like a Magic Johnson who's just like again like you know six seven six eight massive guy but has some of the best handles and he's just you know he's showtime he's passing behind yeah. the, over his head like mm-hmm. all this cool stuff and then you kind of go through this era in like the late 80s early 90s of like John Stockton, who's just like 20 assists a game, two yeah. points, like, you know, just very basic, like technical basketball, mm-hmm. like, um, and it's then an East coast version of showtime. Yes, exactly. Right. And totally. especially like brought so much excitement to like little Orlando. Yeah. And yeah. And because they, I mean, he came like the year before Shaq. They came like I think like, t- like two years like in a yeah, row or I something. The order. It was Shackle it was one than the other yeah. I think, but I think they were back to back years, and yeah. it was just like what a time right. to be a Magic fan. Yes, like wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, just really exciting player, so much potential, and it's just so like sad sometimes when you like really think about like man, he had so much potential, and then like especially because. You know, he was so great in Orlando and then kind of started getting these injuries and then was traded to, I think, like the Suns or something. Yeah. On this fat contract. Yeah. And just completely blew it out. Yeah, hoping that he would turn it around. And I feel bad for him because I think, you know, obviously he got a fair amount of hate from the fan base, but it's just unfortunate because it's just like, listen that's the way that kind of contracts work is you you're paying them on the potential and like the future of what course, you think yeah. they're going to bring. And based on his past, it was like, yeah, he's worth every cent, you know, of that contract. But unfortunately injuries just got in the way and he could never recover. Um, yeah. It's just so interesting because his numbers were only going up the first couple of years. Yeah. And then he gets hurt. You don't know what they could have been. And I think it was like a motorcycle accident. It was, was like sure. I think that was like I think that was like the big injury that kind of set him over was like I think he was because I think it was a little controversial like he was riding a motorcycle and he crashed and like it was specifically like in his contract that like he wasn't allowed to ride a motorcycle so it was just like this weird thing of like oh he like kind of was being dumb but at the same time it's just like it's a car accident. Like there's only so much you can do about that. Like it's just unfortunate. Sure. Yeah. But either way, a great what if, but a great pick here. I think the only other person I could think of would be Jameer Nelson, who was, you know, totally pivotal for the magic, you know, and was there for, you know, what felt like 30 years. 
Um, but he just didn't have the numbers that, yeah. that Penny did. Yeah, Penny with 19-6-5 and five is... And that's considering all the other years that he played where he was hurt. Partial seasons, yeah. Oh, it wasn't Penny. It was... It's um, Jay Williams Williams, that I'm thinking of. Okay. Because I I remember when I was doing the research for these, uh, an article came out that was like about the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. And Jay Williams was one of them. Oh, yeah. Because he only played like two years in the NBA after winning College Basketball Player of the Year. He was the one who rode a motorcycle, and it specifically said, can't ride a motorcycle in his contract. Yeah, I mean, those three definitely stick out to me. Sorry for the tangent here. No, it's fine. As far as um, what-ifs. And then what about like Brandon? Was it Brandon? Brandon Roy? Roy? Yeah, he was. He had to retire. Super solid young player. Yep, he was great. I still, I mean, obviously I'm biased because he's my favorite player of all time. But I think Tracy McGrady is a big one too. I mean, he got lucky where he was able to play enough in his prime, but he still yeah. throughout his career was injured enough where it warrants kind of like, man, what could have happened if he just was able to stay healthy. His whole career. Mm. Um, but yeah. So anyways, no complaints there. Um, can't go wrong with some good old Penny Hardaway. Uh, next up at guard two is Nick Anderson. Uh, Ten seasons with the Magic. 15 points, three assists, five rebounds. 2.2 BPM average. 4.8 was his highest. Um, no accolades for him, which I think he might be the only player on one of these teams who didn't make any sort of an all-star team or all-NBA or whatever, which is kind of fitting for him because that's just who he was. He was just a role player who kind of fit in and was just there, relied on to kind of shoot threes, play some defense. Yeah, he's a guy you need on your team. It's totally kind of interesting that he makes a list like this, but it's which, someone you want on your team. Yeah, which I think goes to show just the general history of the Magic, yeah. and I guess specifically at shooting guard too of just like – I think some people would say he could put Vince there, but I mean that was because after his time with the Nets, he right. was there for like four or five years, and he he was fine. It was okay, yeah. but I think he didn't really deliver, and that he was kind of past his prime at that point. Yeah. So, I I think Nick Anderson makes sense again. Similar, and I didn't know this until recently when I was reading a book all about basketball, um, basketball and other things by Shea Serrano. You should definitely check it out. Um, talking about i think nick anderson left a relatively similar legacy as john starks did where nick anderson like missed some clutch free throws um in the finals against the rockets that could have swayed the series in their favor so i think he left a sour taste in some people's mouths of like he you know he choked in the clutch but um yeah from an outsider i mean it's it's hard to um, knowing the magic and who they've had on their teams, it's hard to go against a guy who was there for 10 years. Right. Had decent numbers. Yeah. And again, f- especially for this exercise, it's like he kind of fits right in. Yeah. Cause you don't, it's funny when you think about it too, of just like, this is the first one you come to where it's like, yeah, I guess not every single position is going to be like an all timer. Right. For sure. <laughs> you just, that you, sometimes you don't get lucky where yep. it's just specifically at shooting guard for the magic. They've never had a whole lot of, success yeah um but yeah i'm trying to think of any like shooting guards that come to mind or like jj reddick but he did nothing for them (laughs) he he like he didn't find his prime until like his like 30s yeah like when he got to like the clippers is when he finally started succeeding because it was like oh 
we put you with a great point guard who's just going to feed you the ball and catch and shoot opportunities, right. and that's what you're good at. Yeah. Um. I, I like other shooting guards are just like uh. Like does Rashard Lewis count as a shooting guard? And he only that's... like he only played like a few years there, but he was a part of that team yeah, that went to the tough. finals. Um. But yeah, I mean, you, you can't really go wrong. Was Delonte West ever on? I only remember him with the Cavs. I only remember him playing with LeBron Maybe and I'm that whole fiasco. Maybe Nelson and that St. Joe's connection. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they definitely played together I there. Yeah, I don't think they played together in the NBA. Um, all right, let's move along here. Forward one. Um, no surprises here. It's Tracy McGrady. Uh, four seasons with the Magic. 28 points, five assists, seven rebounds. 7.7 average BPM, 10.5 was his highest. Uh, four-time All-Star, one-time Most Improved Player, four-time All-NBA, and two-time Scoring Champion. Um, this made my heart happy because, again, <laughs> Tracy's my favorite player of all time. Um, and he's definitely one of those players where – so he starts his career off in Toronto as just like this 18-year-old kid who's like pretty good. But he's starting with his cousin – who's stealing all the spotlight yeah. in Vince Carter. And then I think essentially the Raptors are just like, yeah, you're not really fitting in here. We're going to go with Vince. Cause it was one of the situations where they're very similar players. So it's like, you got to pick one and yeah. just roll with them. And obviously they rolled the dice with Vince, which I think was the right move for yeah. them. Um, so they trade him to the magic. And then all of a sudden he just absolutely explodes mm-hmm. wins most improved player back to back scoring champ. I think, the second time, the time, the season he had a 10.5 BPM, he averaged like 32, like seven and six in like 2004 or five. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and I think could have won MVP, but I think that was in the midst of like Steve Nash's controversial back to back MVP yeah. wins. Um, so say what you will about that. Um, but overall, I think this was the right choice. Um, yeah, no is- no issues here. Because he just, I think he kind of, I mean, say what you will about how he was never really able to do much with them in the playoffs. Um, and just that's kind of what Tracy's known for throughout his career. It's just like never really being able to be good enough to help his team make it into, the, or through the playoffs, I should say. Um, but like he didn't really have any kind of supporting cast. No, not like, at all. It was just him, so yeah. I it was mean, just one of those situations where you make the best with what you have. Yeah, he's not the original number one on Orlando, but he he filled the shoes pretty. He, good. Yeah, he did a pretty good job. Um, but yeah, and I think he he was a very exciting player. He was on the highlight reel constantly, um, so I think a good pick here. Um, so yeah. Um, all right, four two, and this is where I start to run into some issues. Forward two, Dwight Howard, eight seasons with the Magic, eighteen points, two assists, thirteen rebounds, three point one BPM, five point three was his highest. Six time All Star, three time Defensive Player of the Year, five time All Defensive, five time All NBA, six time Rebounding Champion, and two time Block Champion. Now. The reason I say this is where I ran into issue is not with the pick itself of Dwight Howard because you can't pick an all-time Magic team and not have one of the two people who took them to a finals. Yeah. 
but just like starting him at power forward next to Shaq is just like that may be the most clogged front court of all time. Yeah, for sure. And I just, it's just tough because it's like, again, you can't not choose him, but you can't not choose Shaq. Yeah. So it's like you have to pick the both of them, but it's like, that's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, when I was thinking through this list of Orlando players, obviously it's hard to ignore what he did with the Magic. Um, but as a team, and we're talking about that cohesion, there's obviously better players that could fill that void. Totally. Think about like a Horace Grant. I, yeah, I'd go Juwan right for Horace. Howard, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as talent, you have to I, you have to put him in here. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't work for a team. Yeah. If you're going to match them up against everybody else in the East here, it's not going to work out, but totally. he should make the cut. Yeah. I mean, with the right coaching, you can do better with it. I'm just kind of getting Dwight to fit the role or accept the role of just like you're more here for defense than offense. Yeah. But like if you're taking Dwight in his time in Orlando, I don't know if he accepts that role because when he was there, like he was the guy. Right. For everything. Because he pulled that team into the finals with him. I mean, it was a yeah. good supporting cast. Like, Jameer Nelson, Hito Turkoglu, Rashard Lewis. Yeah. Like, it's a good supporting cast. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he was killing it back then. I mean, I remember, like, he was in the MVP conversation almost every year. Yeah. Three straight defensive player of the years. Yeah. Like, almost always one rebounding champion. Like, yeah. it was just... No one was touching him. Yeah, he was killer, but it was just it's it's interesting because you think of like the Twin Towers in San Antonio, Mm. and at least you could maybe have Duncan step out and spread the floor a little bit. Right, Dave Robinson had a decent jump shot. Totally. Um, you put Shaq and uh, Dwight together, they're on the blocks. (laughs) Yeah, there's only so much room down there, and none of them are going to be spacing the floor. Right, it just doesn't work. But yeah, um, his numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. And like like you know, like I said, you can't make this list and just and leave Dwight Howard off. Right. You just can't. Yeah. If you're like if you're building it based off of the actual team, I think I would replace him with like Horace Grant. Yeah. I mean clearly it worked with Shaq, right? They went to the, the right. finals together. Yeah. So. And yeah, they had the potential to win too. Yeah. But it's just tough. I just like feel bad because it's like Dwight just like he he was another player who was just like, oh my gosh, like the magic, like yeah. finals, <laughs> like um, yeah. But yeah, and then so the obviously last is Shaquille O'Neal at center, uh, four seasons with the Magic, twenty seven points, two assists, thirteen rebounds, five point one BPM average, six point eight was his highest, four time All Star, Rookie of the Year, three time All NBA, two time Few Goals Made champion, and a scoring champion. Um, I always think it's fun when I see players who made the all-star team their rookie year. Uh, yeah. Cause like he was one of them just like thinking like from his perspective, like, all right, here's like this, you know, 19 year old kid mm-hmm. who's bigger than 98% of the people that he's playing with and against. Yeah. And he's a rookie and he's already considered one of the best in the league and he's mm-hmm. an all-star Yeah, playing next to, you know, Michael Jordan and, you know, Charles Barkley yeah. and all these guys. Yeah. So that that being said, uh again, 
makes total sense here. You can't not go with Shaq. Yeah, he, he led them to finals. He was a killer. He, yeah. they had to change the hoops because of him. Yeah, like he, there was no question that he's going to make it in the NBA. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't not. Pick, like it was easy, and I mean, unfortunately, he landed in a small city of Orlando, but he made that time worthwhile, and it he was made it count to be there. And then as soon as he was able to get that leverage, he was like, "I'm out. Trade yeah. me to late. La- trade me to the Lakers, yeah. baby." Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no complaints here. Um, so overall, again, with the chemistry of the team, I think the first half, you're looking great. With Penny, Nick Anderson, and Tracy McGrady, it's like, oh yeah, like this is an offensive killer team. Like Anyone can get involved. They're going to be running the score up. And then you just, you just run into issues with Dwight and Shaq playing together. So Yeah, that's tough. Overall... I think because of that, I rank them towards the bottom of the first half or the top of the second half of the, you know, 16 teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, Unfortunately, just because a lot of teams are able to be more cohesive at the end of the day. Um, Let's go to the chat here real quick, see what's being said. How much is the coaching playing into all this, especially the team chemistry? That is interesting. I mean, that was never pointed out or taken into consideration when making these lists. But that would be super interesting to consider of just like, all right, so you take, you know, this magic team. Like, who do you have coach them? Like, do you go Stan Van Gundy? Or <laughs> um, do you have Jeff Van Gundy run that yeah. Knicks team? Like, who like who yeah. do you really have, like, run that Knicks team? You know, Because right. I think coaching obviously plays a big part into every team, especially yeah. – you know, when you look at – it's funny because Phil Jackson, his entire career has been considered one of the best coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after watching The Last Dance and seeing what he had to do and what he was able to do with that team and specifically just with having to coach Michael Jordan, I gained a lot of more respect for him because he was able to make it work and he was able to keep – pretty much for the most part, all the players happy and fit into their roles and accept them and like be okay with them. Um, I think where the issues stemmed from was more from ownership and management. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, coaching that many egos and that big of a singular ego is a tall task. Um, so, you know, I have no... Yeah, I, I agree with that as far as Phil goes. And I, I would say most um, managers, coaches, it's all about the egos and how you manage the players. Um, right. How do you bring them down to a level of comfort that you're not up so high or mm. too far down? Like, how do you keep everybody on the same page? Because you're not really teaching X's and O's at this point, especially in today's NBA. True. Everything is going through a LeBron, a Giannis, whatever. Right, and right. And you're putting the game in their hands. Yes, you're going to have some set plays and everything, especially the out-of-bounds plays, but most of that coaching really stops at the college level. Yeah. Um, that's why you probably have a Coach K staying there because he loves mentoring people. Mm. When you get to the NBA – you're just trying to win that championship and get the most out of those players. How can you bring a very good player to the next level mm. and get that team 
to gel yeah um, and get them there yeah i think for this exercise coaching isn't being taken into consideration um but i think that would be a cool factor to you know look into um let's see problem is espn seemed to leave some players off on other teams and claim they need to fill out a team properly and then they do garbage like this although to defend that team it would be hack a magic worst free throw shooting team of all time <laughs> that's very true as well yes. the free throw shooting on that team is awful Atrocious. um and you can definitely just rely on hack a shack hack a dwight <laughs> even i don't think was penny that good of a free throw shooter i feel like he was like pretty average for a guard is great yeah let's move on here um ah yes this is a good one the 76ers um man this team is scoring a thousand points a game all right so starting at guard one we have Allen iverson obviously 12 seasons with 76ers 28 points a game six assists four rebounds 3.7 bpm average 6.1 was the highest Eight-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, one-time MVP, seven-time All-NBA, three-time Stealing Champ, four-time Scoring Champ. Um, another kind of consensus pick here. You, you, you can't go against AI. I mean, I think he is the epitome of putting a team on your back and taking them to the finals with you. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone else has carried that. It's it's either him or 07 LeBron of who had the yeah. worst supporting cast and dragging them to the finals. Yeah. But he had nobody. Yeah. But AI was also able to win a game too in that finals. He True. was able to like they stole game 1 in LA. Yeah. Cuz that's just like wait a minute. What is happening? Like yeah. And even he had some battles in the in the Eastern Conference. He was always they were always making deep playoff runs yeah. and it was all just because of him. Yeah. I mean, he had like Dikembe like at the end of his career, Dikembe. Yeah. But like that was it. It was like Larry Hughes at the end Just of his career. Players. Yeah. Lots and lots of role players. But I um, guess if you have a guy who needs the ball like him, it you gotta, pays. You yeah. gotta have some shooters out on the wing, somebody down low to maybe dump it into last second. But um yeah, that team was not that well constructed. Yeah. I mean the role players there would be good like off the bench role players, but they were, I think just kind of thrust into starting positions. Yeah. Cause it's like, I think if he had the right role players, he may have been able to win a championship, but it was just like, it was at the wrong time. Cause you're going to have to go against Kobe and Jack. Yeah. And it's just like, you're, you're not beating them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Their height. Even if Jordan was still around with Pippen, I don't it's know. like debatable. Yeah. Yeah. Getting older. Yeah. Um, but, in terms of the pick, again, no complaints. You really can't pick anyone else. Nothing. I mean, yeah. he is the 76ers. Um, shooting guard, or guard two, Hal Greer. 15 seasons with Philadelphia slash Syracuse. Um, 19 points, four assists, five rebounds per game. Uh, 10-time All-Star, one-time NBA champion, seven-time All-NBA. And he is actually the 76ers all-time leading scorer, which a lot of people don't know. Whoa. A lot of people assume it's AI, and they think if it's not him, then it's Wilt. But it's Hal Greer. Um, 15 seasons of consistent play. I mean, he played back in the 50s and 60s, so it's really hard to kind of judge his play style. And, you know, obviously we didn't ever see him play. 
Um, and the NBA was just a whole different ball game back then. Um, but that being said, um, scoring is scoring and he was very good at it. And to have played back then and still after all this time be the all time, you know, scoring leader for the 76ers definitely says something. Um, so I, I have no complaints here. I think you could make an argument for Iggy to be there, but like, I just, I think with how the rest of this team fills out, it makes sense to have Hal Greer there. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to leave off the all-time leading scorer. Right. Who was there for 15 seasons versus right. Iggy, who, who was a good player. He was fine. Um, good all but he never play. really delivered a championship or anything like that. So, I mean, by the time he was traded to Detroit, uh, to Denver, was when he was really starting to like come into his own, right? Because at that point, he was kind of like he kind of was like Draymond before Draymond when he was on Philadelphia, of like the yeah. classic Charles Barkley triple single of like seven points, nine rebounds, eight assists per game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was never really able to do much with that team in terms of leadership. So. And I can't really think of any other guards in 76ers history that you would want to put in above those those two guys. Um, Next up on forward one, it's Julius Irving. Uh, This is another team where it's just like every pick is just like, I mean, yeah. Uh, 11 seasons with the 76ers, 22 points, four assists, seven rebounds, 5.2 BPM, 7.7 was his highest. 11-time All-Star, one-time NBA champion, seven-time All-NBA, one-time All-Defensive, and won an MVP as well. Um, Obviously, this was, you know, he was coming off of a couple years in the ABA where he was just absolutely unstoppable, um, which we covered last week for the Nets when he was on their team. Um, But, I mean, Julius Irving is Julius Irving. You know, there's no arguing against him. One of the best basketball players of all time. One of the best 76 players of all time. Great on both ends. Great leader. Exciting player. What more can you say? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not going to argue that. Yeah, I mean, all these players just kind of speak for themselves yeah. here. Um, so moving on then to 4-2. Again, it's easy. It's Charles Barkley. Um, eight seasons with the 76ers. 23 points, 4 assists, 12 rebounds, 6.6 BPM average, 9.3 was his highest, 7-time All-NBA, and 1-time rebounding champion. Um, Another no-nonsense pick. Absolutely killer player. I think it's, you know, I guess you could technically say the peak of his career came basically the year after, like, he left the 76ers and, you know, his – Best time was in the Suns, obviously, when he was able to take them to the finals and almost beat Jordan's Bulls in the finals. Um, and he won an MVP there as well. But he was still the same player in Philly, and he was still the same killer of dominate you on the block, get every rebound, and he was just a dog. Yeah, I'm curious to to see what like kids today think of Charles Barkley because they see this older guy who older hardly guy. Move, yeah <laughs> large dude who doesn't move around well and his golf swing he doesn't look coordinated at all always but getting like, razzed by the guys on you know inside the NBA yeah I mean what was he like six six 
but yeah, he's short. I mean, but he's a bulldog. Like, like Rodman, just like incredible rebounder. He could score on the other end. Yep. Um, and he was playing against guys much bigger than him. In that, he's position. a great passer too. Underrated yeah. passer as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, solid. very very uh, undersized, but. Yeah. Fit the role so well. Yeah. And is one of the best power forwards of all time. Yeah. Um, so obviously no complaints here. And then finally filling out the team at center, it's Will Chamberlain, of course. Um, spent four seasons with the 76ers, 28 points, seven assists, and measly 24 rebounds per game. Uh, three-time MVP, four-time All-NBA, three-time rebounding champion, one-time assist champion, two-time scoring champion, and one-time NBA champion. And so, nothing can be said about Will Chamberlain, but it just this one fun fact that I know about him that I always love sharing, that I think kind of sums up his time in Philadelphia, is he was coming off of a year of leading the league in scoring. Um, it may have even been the year that he averaged 50 points a game. That's um, ridiculous. And the, I think it was the season that he scored 100 in a game. And it was either like one of like another player in the NBA or like a reporter. Someone just said like, you score too much. Like you need to like pass the ball more, get your teammates involved. So then the next year he went out and became the assists leader for the entire league. Yeah. It was just like basketball just was easy for him. Yeah. And you just look at that line and I mean, we're looking at averages here. I see 24 rebounds per game. Yeah. Over four seasons, right? That he was in Philly. I think his entire career he averaged twenty-one. Yeah. I mean, he's like far and away the league's rebounding leader. I mean, we when we're looking at everybody else, you may have like a fifteen here or there. You have Shaq and Dwight at thirteen. Yeah. Um, Willis Reed thirteen. Like these are great players. Kareem fifteen. Yeah. And he's like he's a way above them. (laughs) It's unreal, and that again, yeah. If we were able, if we were to look at like. His best like season again. His best scoring season. He averaged fifty points a game over an entire season. I'm pretty sure. I know at one point he in a season averaged over thirty rebounds a game. Yeah. Um. It's hard to even comprehend that. It's insane. I mean, again, it was a different ball game back then. Right. And he was like the only player over like six six, yeah. and he was like over seven feet tall. Yeah. But that being said, he still did what he did, and it still takes skill. To you, do that. <laughs> you can't control your competition. Yeah. He was there and he dominated. And it's hilarious, too, because I actually read um, uh, uh, like a story about him. It wasn't a book, but it was longer than an article. And it talked about how, like, for most of his career, Wilt didn't even want to be playing in the NBA. He just, like, wasn't that interested. He actually... He actually did spend some time with the Globetrotters at first and was, like, more interested in doing that. But then wow. people kept just being like, you can make so much money in the NBA and you will dominate. Yeah. And so then he was just like, all right, like, I'll play in the NBA. So he just like was lackluster, just like playing in the NBA, averaging 30 and 30. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Um, let's see. See what the comments say. AI was also a culturally transcendent player. He ushered in the hip hop culture after the clean cut R and B culture of the mid nineties. That's very true. That's a great point. Um, he was key for. I mean, he 
is the reason that the NBA instigated a dress code. Because she was the one who was just like, he, like you said, brought like the hip hop culture into the NBA and, you know, was wearing the baggy jeans and the big yeah. t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Uh, plus how Greer was on the original list of top 50 players in NBA history. There you go. Speaks for itself. Um, so yeah, overall, um, wow, this team, like I said, is averaging a thousand points a game. So you, you put them up against, uh, Milwaukee there. What you got? I, the only issue I have here, and I think the biggest issue that the 76ers team will face is just egos mm. because it's like AI, like we said, needs the ball in his hands. Yeah. But Will Chamberlain also needed the ball in his hands. True. And, I mean, luckily, you know, Charles didn't need the ball in his hands, but they, the offense was oftentimes run through him. And during his playing days, had quite the ego on him as well. Yeah. Um, Julius, I think, always was just a great, like, I'm just here to do what the team needs me to do kind of thing. Um, and I think, you know, when he when they won that championship, like him and Moses Malone, I think was a good example of like here's these two like alphas that just made it work. Sure. And we're a great team. Yeah, I, th- I think top to bottom the talent is better. For sure. Philly. Absolutely. But again, just going back to that cohesion of a team, I'm I'd probably go Milwaukee in yeah. a five seven game series. I mean, like maybe with the right coaching, you can like convince some people to like take a smaller role but like i just think at the bot at the end of the day the competing egos of alan iverson and will chamberlain because like will chamberlain had like one of the biggest egos in the world right and alan iverson needed the ball in his hand so it's just like i just don't think those two players work together yeah but i think top to bottom probably outside of boston this is the most talented team yeah um all right two more here we go Let's do the Toronto Raptors. This one is a history lesson of the last five years. Um, starting at guard one, it's Kyle Lowry. Uh, eight seasons with the Raptors, 18 points, seven assists, five rebounds, 4.3 BPM average, 6.1 was his highest, six-time All-Star, one-time NBA champion, and one-time All-NBA. The Raptors are a team where... I probably could have guessed who this five would be without looking at the list at all. Just because of the history of the Raptors. I mean, outside of the fact that they're still, I think, one of like the second newest franchise in the NBA. Like they came about in like the like late eighties, early nineties, I think. They were like one of the last expansion teams, I think. Yeah, I would say it was mid, like them in the heat early, or like early the Timberwolves? Mid 90s, um, the Grizzlies. Mm. Vancouver. They brought in both Canadians. That's right. That's right. That didn't last long. Yeah. Um, that sweet jersey, so. <laughs> yeah. But so, I mean, they have a very short history. So, not a nearly as long a list as a lot of these other franchises to choose from. So, when you think of point guards in Toronto, the only other name that came to mind was like Calderon. But like I wouldn't put him over Kyle Lowry. Not a chance. But it's like outside Lowry's of all star. Yeah. He's a solid player. Yeah. I mean, he was a big help 
for them winning that championship last year. I mean, you can put as much of the weight of you as you want on Kawhi's shoulders for really just like exploding in the playoffs last year. But I mean, Kyle Lowry was a big part of that team too. So I think he, he's a guy that could do it on both ends. He's taking charges on one end. Yes. And he's a gritty guy. I'm trying to see if there's any kind of comparison. He's a, he's just a dog. Yeah. He's He's like, he's not fat, but he's he's like thick. Yeah. I don't know. It's Tony Allen's not a great comparison. But mm. he has that mentality on the defensive end of a Tony. That Allen. grit and grind, yeah, yeah for but then sure. On the offensive end, he could go knock down a shot. Yes, totally. And I think the only thing with him is he can be very streaky, mm-hmm. which he showed last year during the playoffs. Yeah, entirely of just which like was his knock with Demar. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, when you put those two together, it's like if they're both having an off night, <laughs> yeah. yikes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think this is a solid pick. And those, um, those are solid numbers, 18, 7, and 5. Yeah, especially in today's NBA. It's like, that's great. Yeah. Especially when you consider that how much the point guard position has evolved and we have a lot more score-first point guards now. And he, I think, is a good balance of both. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a great passer, but like you said, he can he can, he can can shoot too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so then at shooting guard, we have Tamar DeRozan. Who spent nine seasons with the Raptors? Um, Twenty points, three assists, four rebounds, zero point two BPM average. Three point zero was his highest. Four time All Star and two time All NBA. I gotta say, I have a lot of love for Demar, and I think the city of Toronto has so much love for Demar. And obviously, it was heartbreaking to see him get traded from that team. But I was like, kind of. Uh, I don't want to say unimpressed, but I was expecting more from his stat line when I was putting this together. I was like, oh, that was it? Like, I feel like he did, I feel like he was better than that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he's a fairly one-dimensional player. And, I mean, like, he's not bad on defense, but I think he definitely is just, like, mostly a scorer. I mean, three assists, four rebounds, it's like, fine. You're kind of just like, you're the leader of the team, so you're naturally going to... Yeah, but as an all-star, all-NBA player, you'd think that one of those numbers would pop a bit more, like you're saying. Right. Like, you think of DeMar, and you think score. Right. It's only, I mean, we're talking the NBA here. Yeah. In the top league in the world, he's only averaging 20 points per game, but, like, what else did he bring besides that? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, in, I'm in agreement with you there. But again, it's one of those situations where it's like, all right, if not him, it's like, all right, maybe you move Vince up. Yeah, because I guess I think so. I mean, essentially, to just go over it real quick to make con- to make sense, it's Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, Vince Carter, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Bosh. Now, I'll get to my thoughts on Kawhi being on this team, but like, you could maybe make a case for moving Vince up to shooting guard. Kawhi up to small forward and maybe just already putting Pascal in at power forward. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's like, if not him, then who? Right. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. it's like, again, a very new franchise and they just like, for the most part have just had like one player where it's like, it was Demar and then they were able to get Kyle, but then they traded Demar and then it was Kawhi's team and now he's gone and now it's kind of like Pascal's team. Right. Yeah, that time in there was Chris Bosch's team. 
Yeah, the time where it was Vince Carter's team yeah, before that. They yeah. just never had like a whole lot of star players come yeah, through. This, this team is really hard, and I think it comes down to um, Lowry and DeRozan really making this team relevant and actually like getting them into playoff runs yeah. every single year. Um, Vince and those teams fought hard, but I don't think they were the competitors that Lauer and DeRozan were able to bring every single year with that team. I mean, and then obviously you make that trade. Kawhi brings them to a new level. I mean, um, they win the championship last year with Kawhi, but the year before that, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals without yeah, him against right. LeBron. Yeah. And if it wasn't LeBron, they'd probably win yeah. that. The pieces were there. Yeah. And they have great role players. And like you're talking about Pascal, like – he stepped up tremendously, and yeah. we were talking before about Giannis growing. Like, this guy came out of nowhere. Yep. And maybe he's got that dog in him to keep fighting and keep growing as a player. I think if we come back to this in, like, probably even, like, two years, I think he he's on this team over someone. I don't know who you take out yet, but I think he's already on that way. Yeah. Um. I think just for the longevity that the, the top three players have of Lowry, DeRozan, and Carter, I could see him maybe taking Kawhi off there because he was still a vital part of that championship run, too. Oh, absolutely. He so was. if you're going to yeah. have Kawhi on there for one season, I think in a couple of years you could easily have Pascal on there. Yeah, which we'll get to that in a minute, but let's first talk about uh, Vince Carter on the Raptors. Uh, seven seasons. 23 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, 4.9 BPM average, 7.6 was his highest. Uh, 6-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, and 2-time All-NBA. Um, like like you just said. Um, slam dunk champion. Yeah, best slam dunk champion of all time. Um, I mean, great player, great all-around player, terrific scorer, good rebounder, good passer, good leader, but just... Didn't have that X factor, I think. Yeah, I think similar to Carmelo, incredible player, not a winner. Yeah. Um, just wasn't just in his blood. That it factor to, yeah. to get his teams over the hump. Yeah. I mean, because he was consistently bringing them to the playoffs. Yeah. I think he even brought them to an Eastern Conference Finals um, at one point. But, you know, it just – he didn't have it in him. And I didn't realize until I was researching for this that he actually had a – a sour exit from Toronto when he was traded to the Nets. I didn't know that, but like for the next like four years when he came back and played in Toronto, he was like wildly booed and like they hated really? it. Like they burned his jerseys, Whoa. which is interesting because I looked it up and it was really just a case of they were basically like looking to rebuild. And Vince was like, well, I kind of want to like, play to win and they were like we're gonna like rebuild and like start of new around you and he just like wasn't cool with that and yeah. he ne- he never once demanded a trade he was just like i'm kind of unhappy with that i don't i don't really vibe with that yeah and so then the gm was like all right well we're gonna trade you then and then everyone just like hated mince interesting which i think is interesting because i was like i think a with the raptors being a pretty new franchise and they didn't have much experience with that but b i think that was just at a time before players kind of decided their own fate. Right. Because in today's NBA, you, like, that sounds like a joke. You're like, what? Like, yeah. the fans turned on him for that? Like, 
because that just happens like every other year now where some big players just like I'm sitting out until I'm traded yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, can you imagine Pippen doing that? I mean, we we just watched the last dance, and Reindorf is like, "Yeah, if you sign a contract, don't don't come to me asking to renegotiate." Like that was it. And yeah, Pippen was there for seven years. Which yeah, was like one of the lowest. I mean, not lowest paid, but underpaid, low, very <laughs> underpaid yeah. for what he brought to the team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day. Uh, just another one where it's just like, I mean, if not him, then who? I mean, he was pivotal for the Raptors. Yeah, he's huge. He just, they just, the Raptors never really have had one player that had that X factor that just like, they just like, yeah, took that team. Right. Um, at point guard, Damon Stoudemire has an argument to be ahead of Lowry. Ooh. That's fair. Mighty Mouse, right? I feel like. I may be misremembering, but I feel like his the better part of his career came when he was in Portland. But I could be wrong because didn't he like? No, I could be misremembering that. But I mean, that's a good shout. That's definitely that's a good, good. Yeah, it would be a great replacement. Um, I think just like, like we said, Lowry was a good, good all around player. Um, so I have no problems with that pick. Um, all right, so then moving over to Ford One, who's the only Ford on this team, um, it's Kawhi Leonard, who only spent one season with the Raptors. But in that time, 27 points, three assists, seven rebounds, 7.2 BPM, made the all-star team, uh, was all defensive, uh, all NBA, and obviously won the championship for them and won finals MVP. Um, and it's just it's just it was just weird for him to be on this team because it's like he only played one year and then he dipped, but he led the team to a championship, and he had an all-time postseason, especially when you look at the scoring. Um, but I think, and I I have nothing against Kawhi, but I think he gets too much credit for that championship because he was absolutely pivotal. But I think if you take Lowry off that team, they don't win it. I think if you take Pascal off that team, they don't win it. I think if you even take Marcus Gasol off that team, they don't win it. I just think it was the perfect lineup of like the year before where they had Lowry and DeRozan and like Valanciunas. It was like, man, they had basically all the pieces in pl- in play, but like just need a little push. So they were able to retool it, get Kawhi in there, get Marcus Gasol in there. Pascal's coming out of nowhere. And I think it's just this, the stars aligned for them and it helped win them the championship. And I think he was the MVP of that team for sure. But I think like Lowry and Pascal and Marcus Gasol were also huge parts on that team to just to make me think like, man, it just feels like I'm almost like disservicing Raptors that came before Kawhi who like put like, you know, five to seven years on that team yeah that's fair um but i think you could probably make that argument with a lot of championship teams yeah um i don't know you think of robert ory hitting a huge shot for the lakers against the kings right to kind of get them into the nba finals or i don't know a steve kerr john paxton um yeah sean elliott for the spurs like hitting a corner three yeah you know um but I agree. The stars probably take 
a little bit too, not too much credit, but they get more credit than they deserve. Just because, yeah, they're the bigger personalities. They, yeah. Yeah. It makes but, sense. But, I mean, like you said, and as you've been saying this whole time, Toronto doesn't have much to begin with, so... Yeah. I'm not that upset with Kawhi being on this list to deliver a championship in that one year. I don't really understand that trade. You knew he had one year left on his deal. Um, all indication was that he wanted to go to L.A. Anyway, so... I think, yeah, I think it, at the end of the it's day... It's going to be a hard ask to keep him to stay. Yeah, and speaking because one of my buddies and a friend of the podcast, Hunter, is a diehard Raptors fan, always has been. And I've talked about it several times, and he's like, I think the trade was worth it because we got a championship out of it. Like, yeah. Because at the end of the day, you got a championship, and DeMar could never give that to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I agree with that. I just didn't understand the reasoning behind it. Maybe they knew more than us with Pascal. You know, like maybe they thought yeah. he was only a year or two away. I mean, maybe they had that information, but um it just seems like it was going to be a rebuild then because if Kawhi goes what do you do right you're left with Kyle Lowry and that's your guy yeah and that's who you're going to run with that just doesn't make sense so um Maasai maybe they just gambled and put all their chips in knowing that they had all those pieces yeah Masai Ujiri knew what he was doing yeah. I mean he was you know made that trade happen and had the confidence in his team i mean obviously they were able to get the championship and then i guess he was willing to take the gamble of right. all right either we're gonna convince him to resign which apparently Kawhi was more tempted to resign than he thought he would have mm. been um obviously you can only convince him so much when yeah. his entire career he's just like i'm gonna go back to la <laughs> um yeah i guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but i mean I mean, he lucked out, too, yeah, because I now mean, the team is still one of the best teams in the Eastern right. Conference without him. Yeah. I mean, but what if? Like, how far back does that send the Raptors if that doesn't work out? Kawhi leaves. For sure. Like, yeah. you still have all those contracts, and you're not going to win anything with that team. Totally. But you're paying people. Do you think a rental has a real place on the all-time list for a franchise? Mm. I think if they win you a championship, it is. <laughs> yeah. Because I think in a lot of other instances, like you just said, they could have – really set them back and it could have gone sour if it was just like, man, we traded our franchise player in DeMar, who's like the franchise leader in almost every category. Yeah. Trade him away for a one time one year rental of Kawhi and we couldn't even, you know, win the finals. But you know, they kinda lucked out and they got it. <laughs> yeah. I don't I just knowing the franchise, I don't think there's anybody else who could step in front of that with that stat line. Yeah. And deliver that championship. Totally. And we're back. <sighs> so, yeah, to answer that question, I think if they win a championship, I think a rental deserves a spot, especially with a franchise like the Raptors specifically. Because other franchises, you could look at it like if someone, like if you look at the 76ers and you have a one-year rental who wins them a championship, but you have all these other people who've right. played for them, it's like maybe not. Yeah, maybe the Grizzlies coming in. <laughs> yeah. But, like, besides that, I can't think of another team yeah. where he wouldn't make it. It's such a specific situation that worked out for him. So, all right. Finally, at center, we have Chris Bosh, of course. Uh, seven seasons with the Raptors, 20 points, two assists, nine rebounds, 2.1 BPM average, 4.4 was his highest season, five-time All-Star and one-time All-NBA. Um, 
Yeah, it makes sense here. You, you, not really a whole lot else to choose from. Um, some people may say like Antonio Davis, but like I think that Chris Bosch was just better, especially as an all-around player. Yeah. Um, so I um, I think it makes sense. I have no complaints. He was a great player for them. I think brought a little bit of excitement to Toronto while yeah. he was there before he he left. Um, but yeah, it's just like, who else are you going to pick? Yeah, he's an all-star player. Um, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of him, but he, I mean, his, the numbers speak for themselves. He made the all-star team almost every year. And he was um, absolutely pivotal in the kind of... S- reinvention of like the power forward center and like the stretch five. Yeah. I think he was one of the, you know, founding fathers of that, of like spreading the floor, having a, like he was better like jump shooting and shooting threes than he was, I think at like posting up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You Um, look at this lineup and you just immediately see small ball. Yeah, totally. Um, Which is one of the issues, I guess now moving forward to just like the team as a whole, one of the issues I kind of have well, I mean, it can be an issue, especially depending on who you're playing against, is it's a very small team. Um, I mean, with Kawhi Leonard, a power forward. Yeah. Like, he's a great defender, but you're going to have some mismatches yeah. there. Um, and obviously, with Chris Bosh, especially being a stretch five, you know, that'll have its issues on its own. But as a whole, um, I don't think there's any issues at all with this team's chemistry. I think they're going to fit pretty well together um because again none of these they're all great scorers and none of them really need the ball in their hands like to have to like kind of oops looks like we lost audio for a second there we're back though um so apologize for whatever you missed so that's the raptors finally moving on to the last team here we have the washington wizards um Oof. All right. Starting us off at guard one, it's John Wall. Ten seasons with the Wizards. 19 points, nine assists, four rebounds, 2.6 BPM average, 4.7 was his highest. Five-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, one-time All-Defensive. Now, I respect putting John Wall on this team because he's put a decade into this team, and he really, before he had all these injuries, like really was looking promising. Um. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I would put Gilbert over John Wall. What do you think? I'm just looking at the full list here. Yeah. I mean, mm. in terms of the whole team, I think John Wall fits great in this team and probably better because he is more of – Relatively more of a pass-first point guard. I mean, more so than Gilbert was. Yeah. But I uh, I don't know. I don't really know Earl the Pearl that well. Right. Um, but, yeah, Gilbert was an assassin. Yeah. Like, I'd even put him, like, a shooting guard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would remove Wall. I mean... I think he's earned his, his stripes for that team. Agreed. Yeah. So I I think I might just because I just don't know him, Earl Monroe. Mm. I 
feel like he may have had better seasons maybe with the Knicks than Washington. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd maybe put Gilbert in there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I probably agree with you there. I just felt like looking at the team, I was like, it's just hard to look at a Wizards like all time team and leave Gilbert off because he, he like got some deep playoff runs with them. Yeah, and like you said, he was a killer. Like he was offensively gifted. Yes. Um, and I just he's I, he, he's another what if player, but mm-hmm. more of just like if he wasn't so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like if he didn't bring a gun into the locker room, sure. like what could have happened? Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, no, I I mean, just speaking on John Wall, I mean, physically gifted. Like, yes, that's, he's an athlete. Like, a tremendously gifted player, um, top university, yep. top coaching there. Um, and they won, right? No, they got bounced out early. Because they, I think they got bounced out in like the Elite Eight or Final Four. Hmm. Anthony Davis is the one who won with them, where they went undefeated. I was thinking he was with Davis. It was like right after, I think. Okay. I think they were because he went number one overall yeah. in the draft. So either way, I mean, top university, great coaching there, um, physically gifted player, all star, no question. Yeah. In the league for sure. Um, but again, just doesn't have that killer instinct and not really a winner in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, he was starting to make some playoff runs with the team, which was exciting to see the Wizards doing something. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough when it, the team is just him and Bradley Beal. Um, yeah. I don't know what you do with that. Yeah. Unless um, you want to throw Gortat in there. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, so I guess kind of moving forward, we have Earl Monroe, five seasons, and this was when they were uh, Baltimore, the Baltimore Capitals, I think, or the Bullets. Uh, 24 points, five assists, four rebounds, two-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, one-time All-NBA. So Earl started his career with the Wizards and then moved to the Knicks. Obviously, like you said, spent the bulk of his career with the Knicks and had a more memorable uh, you know, career with them. Um, I would have been fine putting Gilbert... I think probably in like two years time, maybe even now I'd be fine putting Bradley Beal even over him just as an mm. all, all around player, especially with this past season that Bradley Beal has had. Like he's yeah. just like with John Wall not being there. I mean, the team is trash, right? but as a player, he's really coming into his own, Yeah, especially as a scorer. Yeah, I think it's easy for those two to fill up the box score with who they have around them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think we're kind of in agreement that maybe Earl could have been left off this team and just stayed on the Knicks team um, and either Beal or Gilbert filling in for him. Um, I mean, I have nothing against Earl Monroe because obviously that's a great stat line. 24, 5, and 4 as a shooting guard. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's good. He's a good all-around player. One rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I think part of me can't help but just think of like the legacy that people have for teams when looking at this. And sure. I just like, when I think of the Wizards, I think of Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. Like, I think of like that team in like 06 going against LeBron, like him, Deshaun Stevenson, Andre Blotch, like right. 
Jameson. Mm-hmm. Um, Antoine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move forward. Forward one, Gus Johnson, who I, I honestly don't even know who that is. <laughs> um, nine seasons with Baltimore, 18 points, three assists, 13 rebounds. Five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defensive. Um, so, again, I have never heard of this guy, never seen him play, so I don't know anything about him. But quality stat line for forward one, I guess. You know, 13 rebounds, that's pretty good if he played small forward. Um, I don't know how big he was, so it could get a little crowded with him and Elvin Hayes and Wes Unseld. Yeah. That's, that's a big front court. Yes. Um, but, I don't know. Maybe you put Antoine Jameson there, but like he's a natural power forward too. Yeah. And he like didn't have that lasting of a legacy with the Wizards. Right. I mean, do you put Michael Jordan in for his two (laughs) seasons there? Oh. It's tough with the Wizards. It's the last one. No. Yeah. I mean, Um, I'd probably leave Johnson in with that stat line. It's good. I mean, I I don't see Jameson was good. I don't see him doing more than that. Right, right. And it looks like Gus was doing it on both ends of the floor too. Yeah, with the two time all defensive, that definitely jumps out at you a little bit. Um, all right, four two. Elvin Hayes, obviously, nine seasons with Baltimore slash Washington. Twenty one points, two assists, thirteen rebounds, one point two BPM, three point three was his highest. Um, Five, t- or sorry, eight-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defensive, one-time rebounding champion, and part of that uh, championship team, the one that Washington has won. Um, this was the most no-nonsense pick for the Wizards team, in my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, he he and Wes really led that team to their championship and were the reason they won it. Um, I believe both of those guys as well were on that 50 greatest players of all time list in like 95 or whenever uh was like the 50th anniversary of the NBA and well deserved I mean he's I think like top 20 in rebounding and scoring in the NBA all time um you know he played a, a couple of years with like San Diego slash Houston as well um where it was more the same where it's just like great scorer great rebounder good defender just kind of everything you want in a big man. Yeah, I think he's going to make most teams. Um, and, I mean, he's obviously making the Wizards. Yeah, yeah. There's, again, yeah, just not a lot of competition for this team. Uh, power forwards. Uh, yeah, I can't even think of anyone else who I'd – I mean, obviously not even over him, but just anyone else – that I'd won on the, yeah, on that team from the Wizards history. Yikes. Um, all right, so then obviously center is Wes Unseld. Uh, 13 seasons, 11 points, 4 assists, 14 rebounds, 2.9 BPM, 4.3 was his highest. Five-time All-Star, one-time rebounding champion, one-time NBA champion, one-time All-NBA, one-time MVP, and one Rookie of the Year. Um, great resume. Um like we said, like I said, you know, he and Elvin teamed up and really helped, you know, that that uh, Wizards team win the championship back in, I think it was 73 or 74. Um, and so clearly you don't have chemistry issues here because they actually made it work together right. and won a yeah. championship together. So no issues there. 
Um, and then I think with John Wall and Earl Monroe, no issues there either. I think I just don't know Gus Johnson, so I don't know his play style and if it would mesh sure. with the rest of them. But, um, you know, good chemistry overall for a team, um, you know, because I think I don't think like Elvin Hayes was like a ball dominant person where he needed the ball in his hands. I think he was just one of those people where he's a he was a big guy and he was crafty at power forward, so he's able to score well. But mm. I don't think he, you know, really need. I, I kind of I feel like almost like a Minnesota like Kevin Garnett, where it's like yeah, like scores a lot, but like is never someone who's like give me the ball, like needs the ball in their hands. Right. It's just like he's offensively gifted. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I have no no complaints really. No. Definitely not. Overall, definitely one of the lower teams, though. One of the lowest. Yeah. yeah. I still put them above the... I think right now the Hornets are the lowest. I could see with that. With that team they had. I think the Nets are not that far behind. Oh, come on. Don't... don't I know. I'm... T- my JK. I know. I, and listen, I gave him the proper kudos and credit. Um, the Hornets are pathetic. The Hornets team was just really bad. And I said this last time, too. But I was just like, no disrespect, but like if Dell Curry is starting on your all-time yeah. starting five, that's not a good look. Yeah. But so that being said, those are the rest of the Eastern Conference teams. Looking at these eight, um, I think it's got to be either Philly or Milwaukee. Yeah, and I th- I think we kind of touched on it a little before. Um, Philly, the more talented team. Um, Milwaukee, maybe the better combined team. Yeah. And would win a series. Right. Um, but that Philly team is ridiculous. It's just sheer stacked. talent. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is, like, obviously we're just kind of making an exercise out of this fun list that ESPN just made up. Um, so if you're looking at sheer talent – it's far and away Philly mm-hmm. for these eight. Yeah. But again, I'm kind of taking this exercise of like, all right, like who, who works together, who actually can win a championship going against these yeah. other teams. And like you said, I think I think I may take Milwaukee here over Philly just because you have too many competing egos mm-hmm. on that Philly team. Yeah. And then. And I don't want to step on your toes. No, more. go for it other podcasts for the future but who do you have coming out of the east then so that's what i was gonna say so looking at the east in total i think the top four are boston detroit uh philly and milwaukee okay um obviously when you're looking at sheer talent miami is great yes chicago is great um but i just again when it comes to cohesion and making it work together and actually being able to win. I look at those four and I probably would narrow it down to Milwaukee and Boston. And I, I just can't pick against the Celtics. Yeah. It's just so hard to pick I against know. them. Any yeah. team that has Larry bird on sure. it. Yeah. Like it's just tough. Yeah. I, I really like the Detroit team too. Not, not to beat those other ones, but talent wise. I mean, like uh, we said, we, you know, for those who are unaware, when these posts were first made, John and I were texting back and forth for a while about it. And one of the things that we said is just that Detroit team 
is averaging probably 75 points a game, <laughs> yeah. but they're also only giving up 70 points a That's game. That's right, yeah. Like, it's a fairly offensively inept yeah. team, but, like, defensively, I think probably... Isaiah, Joe Dumars, and Big Ben. That's he, like, crazy. yikes. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, and I think when you stack them up, probably, like, like we are saying, I think, in the West, we're going to see Memphis look the same way. Because mm-hmm. like, if I had to guess, I think the Grizzlies, because I haven't even looked at the Western teams, but I think the Grizzlies, it's probably basically just grit and grind, like grind city yeah. with maybe one substitution in there. And that was a killer defensive team. Yep. Um, yeah, but I'd probably be with you overall with Boston coming yeah. out. I mean, it's just a team of winners. Yeah. Um, and... They had a bunch of stars on their teams. They knew how to play together, right? Um, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you ha- like, it's hard to pick a team against a team that has Larry Bird because it's not like he's the all-out best player that we've seen in the Eastern Conference. But I think he's the best like teammate, yeah, with the skills that he has. Because I think he's, you know, a, a top ten player of all time. But then when you consider the aspects of his game and getting his teammates involved and like not being too much of a killer like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was yeah. where it could like hurt him in the end and like his teammates more because right. like we said, like MJ and Derek Rose, is just like not working, no, not, not going to happen. Uh, but like Larry bird, he's going to make it work with anyone. Yeah. So I think, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say about that. No, I, I I'm just looking back over the list for Boston and that team's not, it's just killer. Touch. I mean, Paul, Paul Pierce is... That's the one. I, I get him out of there's here. There's so many good players. He was a great two-way player, though. He yeah. put up a lot of numbers, and I don't know where he actually stands as far as the Celtics' all-time records. Um, but he was a great player and held that team together with... Uh, who was that? Antoine Walker? Antoine Walker. <laughs> for the longest time. Yeah. And then they finally Early got the big three there. Yeah. And they get over the hump. Did they win one? Yeah. And went then to went two. to two. Um, but that's the thing. I think part of my uh, like view of Paul Pierce is tarnished just because of like a all the things that he's said since he's retired of like his like takes mm. of like saying LeBron's like not a top five player, which is just like laughable, um, and a bunch of other things that he said. But just like that 08 Celtics team, just thinks way too highly of themselves and it yeah. really bothers me like like him and kevin garnett saying they like ruined lebron james's career and like he was so scared of us it's like yeah. no he wasn't like he went to eight straight finals like and won two in a row like went through you guys plenty right. of times like they act like they were like a dynasty it's like you won one yeah. championship i mean obviously being a nets fan i'm i'm not the biggest paul pierce fan <laughs> sure but he put up some crazy numbers. And like I said, he played yeah. hard on both ends of the floor. Boston just has so many players to pick from. Very gifted. Um, I could see why he's on there. I wouldn't have an issue trading him for somebody else. Yeah. List. Like I said, I said on the podcast last week, I would sub him out, move Larry up to small forward and put Kevin McHale in there. Yeah. Cause I think he was, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, he said there's literally 20 other players you could sub into that right. team and it would be great. Yeah. Um, I just think in terms of cohesion and skill, because like Larry and Kevin played together, mm-hmm. they're like you know Kevin's whole career. 
Um, and they obviously were able to win three championships that way. Right. But, yeah, so I think overall, I think I go Boston out of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Boston over Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that is – those are our thoughts. That's the Eastern Conference – all-time starting five lineups. Um, let me know what you guys think, what your thoughts are. Did we mess something up? Did we miss someone? Did we overlook someone? Um, who do you think? Who's your pick for the team coming out of the Eastern Conference? Um, let me know. You can follow the podcast on social media. Um, Facebook and Instagram are Sports Talk with Swag. Twitter is STWSCast. You can send an email into sports talk with swag at gmail.com. Um, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere uh, you can listen to this podcast. Um, leave a rating uh, and tune in next week for the first half of the Western Conference teams. Um, should be good because I think the Western Conference is beyond stacked so i'm very excited for that so john thank you again for thank you for joining i really appreciate it and uh we'll see you guys all in the next episode peace